Legend Radio begins in three, two, one. Now I can preach it like this, okay? Repent! Or I can tell you, change your mind. Preaching repentance in the area of consciousness of sins is dishonoring the work of Jesus. Repentance means you realize you're guilty, that you deserve the wrath and punishment of God. You begin to realize that sin is in you, and you turn your back on it in every shape and form. You renounce the world, whatever the cost, and you deny yourself and take up the cross and go after Christ. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Gathering, welcoming, joining, whatever it is that you're doing, we're just glad that you're doing it right now and listening to Wretched Radio. Hey, I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio, which can only mean one thing. You hear my voice first, it must be Witness Wednesday, and that's exactly what it is. Todd is out on campus today at Kennesaw State University. I'm manning the ship back in the studio, praying I don't accidentally send us off the air or anything, but... You know, I get kind of distracted in here. Gotta watch Shark Tank. Anyway, as for Todd, not exactly sure who he's tracked down, but I did get word that he does have somebody standing by ready to conversate with him. So I'll send it out to the campus now at Kennesaw State University. This is Wretched Radio. His name is cooler than your name, Valentino. That's that's a very cool name. I appreciate that. That gets some attention, doesn't it? It does. Um, People think you're Italian. People do. But you're not. I'm not. What happened? I'm not sure. You're going to have to ask my parents. Actually, actually, the Valentino came from my, my dad was going to be born on Valentine's Day, but uh, he was born a week early, so he wasn't. And then um, he just passed the name on to me. He's Julio, unrelated to, to Valentine's Day. <laughs> All right. So Valentino hanging around your neck is a saint. Yes, Saint Sebastian. Valentino Sebastian. Thank you, because I wasn't catching the link there. Okay, so Valentino Sebastian. And why would you wear this fellow's image around your neck? Yes, um, I'm Catholic, and you know the Catholics. We believe in the communion of saints in heaven, so um, we pray to them to pray for us um, in heaven. So that fellow will pray for you. I see it as they're as close to God as you can get in being in heaven. So you're Roman Catholic. You were born into that system. Yes, I was. Do you though? You're a grown man now. Do you believe that that is the best or the correct system that you should be? So, you know, kids, they believe what their parents tell them to. But have you as an adult male now said, yeah, that's my thing? Like growing up, you know, they always make you go to to church and go to catechism. Um, I really didn't uh, understand what it meant. I I wasn't into it. I kind of would have rather just played at home rather than go to church. And I was confirmed, you know. But as of recently, more in the past probably five months, I've started taking my faith seriously and wanting to have a relationship with God as I don't think I I did before. So I've been doing a lot of like, you know, listening to people and like researching myself and going to church more because it's the only thing I know. I've um, I feel really connected to it, Um, but I am still, you know, trying to educate myself more. Yeah, I'm trying to find those answers. Good for you, because you're pretty young to do that. A lot of people put that off. So good on you for being young and wanting to figure out the truth. All right. According to the Catholic system, what must an individual do to go to heaven when they die? We believe that salvation comes um, through your belief in Jesus Christ and your affiliation with the church. All right. Tell me what that means. So it's not just, you know, um, just the Bible and just your belief in Jesus Christ. It also has a lot to do with your involvement in your church and in your community. Do I have to do the seven sacraments of the church in order to go to heaven? It's not you need to do all of them. It's uh, it's ideal to do as many as you can in your lifetime. So do you as a Roman Catholic have complete assurance and total confidence that when you die, you're going to go to heaven? 
I don't have full confidence I'm going to go to heaven. I don't think I can speak for all Catholics, but me, no. I don't think, I don't have full assurance, no. Let's see if we can find that assurance. You up for this quest? Going to be a little bumpy along the way, but hang in for the ride, okay? Because it ends up with some really incredibly good news, all right? I want to invade your conscience for a moment. I want to go inside of your brain to see how you feel about yourself, okay? So, Valentino, do you assess yourself as being a good person? I don't consider myself a bad person. I don't know if I would go far enough to say that I'm a good person, though. Well, we're going to find out, and I'm going to do that through a series of questions. I'm not going to accuse you or point my finger at you and scold you. Have you ever told a lie at any time in your life? Yes. How many? Probably more than I can count. If you knew that I told a bunch of lies, what word would describe me? Rhymes with fire. A liar, I suppose. I would say you're a normal person, but... I don't deserve We all tell lies. But nevertheless, if you tell a lie, you're a liar, right? Fair enough, yeah. You ever stolen anything? Yes. What do you call somebody who steals things? Thief. You ever looked at a woman with love? Yes. Because Jesus said, you've heard it said of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Because God sees what's going on in there. And so if you're having fantasies, watching pornography, he knows. And it's a crime against him because we should be honoring women, not ogling them and not abusing them in our brains. Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Yes. Ever dishonored your parent? Yes. Valentino. You just told me you're a liar, you're a thief, you're an adulterer at heart. Have you ever murdered anybody? No. Hang in there for a second. Jesus said, you've heard it said of old, thou shall not commit a murder. But I say, if you call your brother a fool, you're in danger of judgment. Because when we're unjustly angry at somebody like, you jerk, you stupid, we're committing murder in the heart. Because God's sense of justice goes way deeper than our sense of morality. He sees the intentions of the heart The word heart is used in the Bible hundreds of times because God is concerned about the inner man, not just external. And Jesus scolded the Pharisees. They were the religious people who walked around in robes and acted like they were perfect. But he said, you're like whitewashed tombs because inside you've got dead men's bones. You pretend to be good, but internally you're not. So Valentino, let's say, Today is a bad day for you. It's the day that God calls your number and says, this is the day I've determined you're gonna die, Valentino. And he ushers you into his courtroom and he opens up the books of your life. And he is the just judge of all the world. That's what the Bible says. He's the just judge of all the world. The foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. Is he gonna consider you to be a good person or a bad person? Probably a bad person. Innocent or guilty? Guilty. What should God do with Valentino? Damn you to hell. Yepper. Yeah. That's what the Bible says. You, me, everybody. We're all sin and fall short of his glorious standard. And because he's just, he's going to make sure that every crime committed, everyone, every lie, every lustful thought, that those people give an account, you and me, and we will pay for our sins because the wages of sin, the payment for sins is death. So as you sit on this bench, Valentin, you're a dead man walking, okay? Now, Bible says more about God. I would agree with that, but that's without Jesus. Exactly, right? But here's the good news for you. 
The Roman Catholic system is going to tell you, yeah, believe in Jesus, and you're going to get, it's called infused righteousness, infusion. So it's as if when you got baptized as a baby, you got infused with righteousness. But now, to maintain that righteousness, you can't sin. And if you do, you have to go to confession. You have to do penance. You have to do deeds of charity, acts of love. You have to get last rites. And then possibly you will go to heaven. If not, you'll go to purgatory where you could spend who knows how long working off your own sins. Okay? That's a pretty fair summary of Roman Catholic dogma. Here's what I'd like to tell you. The Bible says there is amazing good news for you. If you will put your trust in Christ, in Christ alone, and trust him for your salvation, the Bible promises you're no longer seen as guilty. All of your sins, past, present, future, were nailed to the cross where Jesus Christ was receiving the wrath that sinners like you and me deserve. Basically, when Jesus was on the cross, it was like God was looking at Valentino and pouring out his wrath. And if you'll put your trust in Christ, believe in him, rely on him and his good works and what he did to receive the wrath of God on your behalf, the Bible promises that you will be adopted into the family of God and you can have assurance of everlasting life, not because of your performance, but because of Jesus Christ. And so you cling to him like a bird to a coat because he promises if you'll humble yourself, forsake your good works, because the Bible says all of our righteous deeds are like filthy rags to God because what we do, we can do nice things and we can say, well, God, you should accept this because I did a good thing, but they're offered from sin-stained hands, so they're not pleasing to God. We need an advocate, and we have one, Jesus the righteous. So, Valentino, here's what I would tell you today. If you want to be forgiven by God, if you want to be in a right relationship with God, you have to forsake the belief that you can somehow earn his favor. You can't, but here's the great news. Jesus did on your behalf and if you will trust him all of your sins are gone and god will see you with the same love that he has for the son imagine that the love that the father has for the son because you are brought into christ he sees you with that love and that means you can't do anything to cause him to be angry at you again to be mad at you he will love you with the same intensity that he has for the Son. If you will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Jesus promises, if you come unto me, I will not cast you out. So, Valentino, you're trying to figure things out, and I applaud that. Put your trust in Christ alone, and you have his word. You will be saved. No, it's inconvenient, but hey, we'll be back in just three minutes. We're going to continue the conversation with Todd and Valentino, so stick around, catch your breath, take advantage of the break, and we'll be back with more here on Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. Some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa. 
And the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two. Would you like to become a Tomorrow Club's ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. Just want to give a quick shout out to all of you resource purchasers out there who gobble up our resources at wretched.org. We are truly appreciative and grateful for you. But let me also let you know that our gratefulness tends to grow when you consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Now, look, I'm not trying to bribe you or anything, but gospel partners really do make us happy. We've dedicated our lives to spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to millions of lost souls all over the world, and our gospel partners make it happen. Through programs like Wretched, Road Trip to Truth, and Transformed, we have been given the opportunity to create quality productions that capture the attention of unbelievers without compromising biblical truth. You're not just investing in our ministry, you're investing in the kingdom of God. Let me invite you to come alongside us as we preach the gospel, equip people to preach the gospel, and strengthen the local church. Just visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Important dates in Christian history. 1727. A spiritual awakening at Hernhut, Germany, launches the Moravian Brethren as the forerunner of modern Protestant missionary movements. This 300-member group sent missionaries to Asia, Africa, North and South America, and the Arctic. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we are back here on Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. He told you it was going to be quick and painless. Just didn't want to believe me, but that's okay. We're back with more of the conversation between Todd and Valentino. If you remember when we last left them, they were talking about being born again. And Valentino was trying to make some sense of how one can continue to do wrong, but still have faith in salvation. We're going to send it back out to the campus now and let the conversation continue to unfold. Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he will not inherit the kingdom of God. You've got to be born again. When you were a baby and they sprinkled some water on you, you were just getting wet. 
Jesus said, you got to die to yourself, Valentino. You've got to agree with God. You're not a good man. You're just like the rest of us. You're a scoundrel. You're a bad man. You deserve his wrath. But you humble yourself. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. And God says in that moment, you're mine. You need to die to yourself. Is that what you do you mean? Um, like that is trusting in Jesus Christ? Yeah, where you stop trusting in yourself or your works or a system or an organization. I'm no, I'm done with that. Christ and Christ alone. It means that you're looking to him alone for your salvation, forsaking your own efforts and your own ways. Born again? Yeah. Um, what I, I guess what I don't understand is say you you do trust in Jesus Christ alone and and you you forsake your own preconceptions about how you're going to be saved doesn't couldn't you like like what about the person who says they who recognizes that like they, they they do wrong things and they're going to continue doing wrong things but they believe that jesus will save them anyway no matter what they do yeah I, yeah what, I think you'll dig this illustration father and son they're gonna go camping they set up camp on the shore of a lake they've got a canoe and the father says son i'm gonna take a nap I'm going to give you a rule. You cannot go out in the canoe without me because those are alligator infested waters. You do not know what you're doing and you're in danger. Don't do it. Dad goes to sleep and son gets a little bored, looks at the canoe and he thinks, I think I'm going to just go paddle out a little way. So he gets into the canoe, disobeying the father. And the next thing you know, alligators are swirling. It's getting a little chaotic. The waters are being stirred up and the tails hit in the boat. He freaks, falls out of the boat. The next thing he knows, he wakes up on the shore, unharmed, and he looks around to figure out what happened here, and he sees his father laying on the shore, and he's been ripped to shreds, and he intuits what happened. My dad saved me. He risked his life, and he gave his life so that I could live. Imagine if that son said, I think I'm going to go back out in the boat again without my dad. You'd go, dude. You are clueless. You do not esteem the sacrifice of your father, the individual who has been saved from God's wrath because of the work of Jesus Christ, is is a fool to want to go sin. The Christian life, Valentino, is maybe a little different. Most people, there's something inside of us that says, I want to do stuff to make myself cleaned up and right for God. It's not the way the Bible presents it. You're dirty, you're filthy, you're unclean. You come to him and he makes you clean. And because of that, now you desire to be obedient. You desire to please the one. And even perhaps going a step further, you don't believe in Jesus just to get out of hell. Now, believe me, we should be afraid of hell, but that's not really the prime motivator for wanting to believe in Jesus Christ. We shouldn't believe in Jesus just because we're afraid of hell. We should believe in him because he's been so kind to save us from hell. Here's what John 3.16 says. This is the Bible verse people hold up at football games. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him doesn't do works, doesn't go to communion, doesn't do last rites. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, by grace, God's total unmerited favor, by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that no man can boast. 
really key because you see Valentino, if you can do good things to earn God's favor, then you can get to heaven and go, you know, I, I kind of helped myself get here. Mm -mm. God wants to be seen as the beneficent deity that he is to save you totally, completely. And when you grasp that, that God loved the world so much, he sacrificed his son on our behalf so that I can live, then you want to live a life of joyful obedience, not to earn favor, but because God's favor has been earned for you. Does that make sense? It makes sense. So, Valentino, I'm a stranger. I've tried to share with you what the Bible says, but as you sit here today, it sounds like you haven't been born again. Am I correct in making that assumption? I think you could say that. So now you've just heard something that could change your eternity and the entire trajectory of your life. If the Bible is right, and I believe that it is because it attests to itself, Jesus Christ will save you this day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Do not delay. Do not harden your heart. Do not hear this message and just kind of let it fly. Because every day that goes by, you're hardening your own heart. And you might get to the point where it's like, I just, I don't want anything to do with that. And you'll die in your sins and you'll go to hell forever. This day, God promises you everlasting life. And just so you know, not from the Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm not here to sign you up for a church or a cult or anything. I'm going to walk away and we might never see each other again. If what I've just told you is true, Valentino, the wrath of God abides upon you. You're not his friend at this moment. You're his enemy. You're at war with your maker. And he's offering you an olive branch in the person of his son, Jesus. He's offering terms of peace, surrender, trust in him alone you'll have everlasting life. And I'll tell you, your life on this earth will never be the same because all of a sudden it's got meaning and it's got purpose. And you're going to study biochemistry because you want to figure out the human body that God made so you can help people because God has shown you so much kindness. And the things that you do for him will have everlasting value. Your faith in Jesus Christ, it just colors everything. You're living in black and white right now. You step into his reality and believe in him. Suddenly, life is a technicolor reality of what really is. I guess what I don't understand is, so being being born again, it kind of, it, it implies that you will be living how Jesus wants you to. But I guess I don't understand. That could mean something. Could that not mean something different for everybody being born again uh, or what it means to trust in Jesus? Well, he set the rules. He's the one who defined it. He's the one who said, forsake every other effort, forsake every other system, put your trust in me alone and I will make you alive. So those are, those are his rules. It's interesting, This it's St. Benedict, did you? Sebastian. Sebastian, I'm sorry. I got better news for you, okay? There's one mediator, this is what the Bible says, there's one mediator between God and man. It's not St. Sebastian, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans, it's a book in the Bible, chapter five. Jesus Christ introduces you to the Father. You don't have to go through that, that, that fellow, he's dead, can't hear you. Jesus will hear you and he'll bring your prayers and requests to God. He's the mediator and you can be brought into a relationship with God. You can talk to God yourself and you can do that because of Jesus Christ. 
because Christianity isn't just about not going to hell. It's about knowing God, that God actually desires to have a relationship with us that's staggering. And Jesus Christ makes a way for us to be introduced to him and know him. So I would suggest to you what I'm kind of laying before you is nothing but upside. It's nothing but good. Believing in God isn't just a get out of hell free card. It's like, wait, I can know him and he'll love me and I can learn from him and I can go to heaven to be with the best entity in the universe. Ah, I would say sign me up. That's what I'd encourage you to think about today. It's all good. The Bible is a book about good news that you can be saved by Jesus Christ and then you'll live in accordance with that. So you're not born again at the moment. I can't make you do that. You're going to walk away from here and you're going to think about it. You're going to think about your family. You're going to think about growing up in the church and maybe systems and experiences. What I'm presenting to you is just what the Bible says, that you must fling yourself the mercy of God and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and he'll save you. And then you are set free. If the son has set you free, you are free indeed. So will you at least under this urgently today? That's yeah, absolutely. Before you go to bed, think about this. And remember, this is an act of kindness and an offer of kindness. Okay? Yeah. Yep. Oh, what a chat. What a conversation. What an eye opener. Valentino probably was a little shell shocked there. I mean, I, th I think we all kind of were when we first realized what salvation really is. It's not a membership to a country club or anything like that. And Todd left him quite a bit to think about. Let's continue praying for Valentino. Let's commit to that because who knows? He might very well be doing in the future what Todd is doing today. Hey, guess what? We're not done yet. Nope, not by a long shot. We have more Witness Wednesday waiting for us right after the break. But we do have to take this quick break, so stay tuned. Don't go too far. Get you a cup of coffee, some snacks, something. Stay tuned. More Witness Wednesday straight ahead. It is now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start in Mississippi where the phrase dress for success means a little something different to other people. Some controversy has been sparked when a young man graduating high school was denied his request to wear a dress to graduation. And so now the young man and his family are suing because of course they are. But a boy wearing a dress is a little bit different of a fashion choice than socks with sandals here. Meanwhile, the Los Angeles Dodgers are playing some dodgeball, all right. This is kind of hard to follow, but recently they had invited a queer and trans nun group to perform. Yeah, and you talk about the backlash, well, they received it. So they decided to rescind the invitation to the group. <laughs> and you talk about even more backlash. And so what did they do? Stand firm? Hold their ground? No, 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 no. They decided to reinvite the group, but not just reinvite them and allow them to perform. They had to offer up an apology. <laughs> yep, they're not playing baseball at the moment in LA. They're playing a whole lot of dodgeball. <laughs> I did that one on my own. Okay, so in North Carolina, we've got a state of emergency on our hands. And no, it is not due to a hurricane or even a zombie outbreak. It is because the governor of North Carolina is afraid that Republican-led school choice may pass. 
and he's so worried about it that he honestly did put North Carolina in a state of emergency. Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is the story of the boy that cried wolf, but this is more like the wolf that cried wolf. Now, the state of Washington has decided to put $83,000 towards some unconventional education. They've hired the director of Drag Queen Story Hour. Yeah, not very much educational merit in that one. Well, over in China, Disney's The Little Mermaid not doing so hot. Pre-ticket sales have shown that The Little Mermaid is the worst performing Disney release in China. And finally, we go to Canada where a shocking number of citizens apparently believe that assisted suicide should be an option for individuals experiencing homelessness. Remind me to never move to Canada and hit a rough patch in my life. And that has been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible Nahum, whose name means the Lord comforts, brought a message of comfort to God's people and a prophecy against Nineveh. Nineveh was a powerful city, but they were no match for God. He punished them severely for their wickedness. When you see evil or are tempted towards evil, remember that there are only two possible outcomes, repentance or destruction. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And welcome back to more Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. Glad you stuck around. As the saying goes, the plot now thickens. <laughs> We're back. back to the campus now at Kennesaw State University where Todd has been walking around trying to find somebody else to chat it up with. So let's send it out there now and see who that may be. You want to be a lawyer. Why in the world would you want to be that with all of the bad lawyer jokes there are? Um, to be honest, I'm doing it for the money. Um, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, um, I know they make a lot of money and, and uh, law has just been something I've always been interested in. That, okay, so there's that. Yeah. You are interested in it. Okay, criminal justice. Where does the concept come from? Um, that's a good question. Um, I would say, like, just to take all the evil out of the world, I guess. You want to protect um, protect the country, you know. Not in the way that the military does, obviously, but just in the sense of, like, keeping the bad guys off the street and, and you know, that kind of thing. Oh, you want, you want to go into, like, bad people doing bad things to other people law. I've, I've considered it. Um, if I were to do criminal law, I would definitely be a prosecutor. I'd, I would not want to be a defense attorney. Um, but I'm also thinking of like business law or like um, real estate law, those kinds of things. Got it. Okay. So the idea of justice, just justice in general, how did we come to the conclusion, you know, there are just some things that are bad and there should be a payment for them. So the penal justice system, who invented the notion? Ooh, I, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know, but I, I know, I would say that it, it definitely started a long time ago. Um, and, you know, not in the sense that it is now, you know, where it's like you have a set like police system and, and criminals and, you know, they go, you know, the police catch the criminals. But in the sense of like, you know, there's just there's a sense of duty, I guess, to protect the people that live in your community. But that that sense, the idea that there's there's just some actions that humans take that aren't acceptable. So the idea of right, wrong, good, bad, evil, kind, did we evolve it? Did somebody one day go, hey, you know what? There are just some things that we should agree that we don't like. The whole idea of justice, from whence does it emanate? I would say that, that in a sense we were kind of born with it. I wouldn't say that it was learned or, or kind of like executed at any point. Like I would say that we were just like 
as humans, like we're born with that innate sense that like there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong in the world and we should have to have some sort of system in place to differentiate between the two. But I, I would say that we were that it's just in us like we were just born with it. I'm going to take you down a road and I think because you're a smart guy and because you like the idea of justice and law, I think you're going to track this with me. All right. You and I are sitting on this bench and out in the field, we see a guy walk up to somebody much smaller, blast him right in the mush, drops him to the ground. All right. On what basis can you and I say that was bad? Um, That's a good question. I would say, again, just like we're born with it. Like we just know that, you know, like that that's just not something that you're supposed to do. You know, it's just it goes against, I guess, like moral. But But you're assuming morals. That's true. Now, if I, if I said to you, you know what, I wasn't born with that sense, Jacob. I actually think, you know what, smaller people, they probably should get punched in the face so that the bigger people can thrive. So if I brought a Darwinian evolutionary worldview to it, I could actually make the case that was a good thing. Yeah. How would you, lawyer, tell me I'm wrong? I would say, I would say it's, um... Let me try this. Let me, let me try this on you, okay? You and I are driving down a country road. There are no speed signs to be found anywhere. And a farmer comes running out of his farmhouse and yells at us, slow down. Would we have to slow down? No, there's no law saying that we have to slow down. Now, what if it said 35 miles an hour on a sign, we're doing 60. Now there's a problem. All right, what's the difference? There's a law saying that that you have to go a certain speed limit. But in the first example, there's there's nothing telling me that we have to. Agreed. So let's keep track of that. Unless there is a moral lawgiver, there is no law breaking. All right? You think you think it's bad he punched him in the nose. I'd prefer he didn't, yeah. but not so bad. But because there is a lawgiver, you and I recognize that's a bad thing. In fact, without a lawgiver, you and I can't judge anything as being bad. It's merely a preference issue, correct? Absolutely. No, that's that's absolutely right. You know, like you said, going back to the very first example, there I guess, you know, there is no law that says I can't go up to anybody I want and just punch them right in the mouth. I mean, besides, you know, maybe it's just wrong in the public eye, but there is no law saying that you like that is forbidden. Like you're not allowed to do that. You're going to go to jail if you do that. There's nothing saying that. Yeah, I couldn't just grab somebody on the campus, bring them before a judge and say, you know, they talked too slowly for me. I think you should arrest the judge would go. There's no law dismissed. All right. So now let me take this a step further on you, Jacob. These moral intuitions that we have must come from outside of us. Otherwise, they have no value. They're, They're mere preferences. Who is the moral lawgiver? I would say it'd be your parents. Um, the the values that they instill in you from that that's true. I I agree that is true, but for society in general, we have a collective sense: hitting somebody in the nose is bad, taking somebody's stuff is bad. We get that, but where did we get it from? Where does that morality come from externally? I would say just. 
everything around you, really like media influences, your parents, you know, your teachers, your friends. I think everything, the society around you, they have an influence on you and you pick up on those sorts of things, you know, and it's just, you're also born with it. Like, you know, like you just, you, you're born with knowing that, Hey, you're not supposed to go up and punch somebody in the mouth, you know? Um, but I would say that throughout your entire life, you know, any, anybody that has an influence on you, anybody you come in contact with, they have, you know, influence on your morals and, and how you act and what you think is right and wrong. Now, what if I said to you, but Jacob, there's a country, it's a little Island in the Pacific and they actually think punching people in the nose is a good thing. Um, that clubbing children is actually a really good idea. It's on the TV, social media. That society says punching somebody in the nose is good. Would punching somebody in the nose therefore be good? No, because it's, well, it would be in their society. They, that's how they view it. But objectively, would right. it be good? No. But now here's the question, attorney. On what basis can you say that society's activities are wrong all times all places. You, I mean, you can't. It goes back to the law. There is no law saying that that they're right and that they're wrong. So in a way, you you really can't. Like, but, but you know they're wrong. Right. Right. But I mean, it's it's up to interpretation. You know, it's like you said, it's objective. There's, you know, in, in their eyes, they're all right. And in our eyes, you know, they're wrong. And, and that's just how it is. You know, there there's just in the way that, you know, we think that it's right and wrong. You know, society like different societies in the world like they just it's objective you know some people may say that it's a good thing some people may say it's a bad thing and there's no no set laws i guess that we could say no this is set in stone you know you're right and i'm wrong let me share what i believe is the explanation and then you can prosecute me okay (laughs) i'm not gonna pay you for it right right right. but nevertheless all right because we recognize that certain actions are always wrong Clubbing children, we know it's wrong. Sexually abusing somebody, horrible. Even attitudes like being racist or sexist, we just go, you know, that is not right. But unless there's an external moral lawgiver, I cannot make the definitive claim those things are wrong all times, all places. But I think there is an external moral lawgiver who must be greater than us. And I think that points us toward a supernatural being. I think that points us to God. If there isn't a just judge who has determined these are the laws, you cannot break them, then you and I, we're like Lord of the Flies. We are just going to clobber each other and survival of the fittest. And I'm going to take your stuff because I'm faster than you. But there is a moral lawgiver. And because we definitively state certain things are always wrong, all times, all places, that means there must be a constant. There must be one who has determined those things are always wrong, all times, all places. And that supernatural being is God. Go. I would say the first thing I would ask you would be, you know, what, aside from just that, like, is there any other proof that you, that you would have that would say, okay, yes, there is definitely an existence of some supernatural being. Oh, uh, yes. That what I just presented to you is what's called the moral argument. That if there are morals that are unwavering, there must be somebody who is objectively providing that standard. Otherwise, there's no morality whatsoever. But I think there are other proofs for the existence of God. For instance, you're sitting on a proof. This bench, where did it come from? People made it. Exactly. Ex- exa- yeah. You know, where you just go, well, it came from a bench factory yeah. someplace. Somebody put it together. And just as we conclude, if there's a bench, there's a bench maker. If there's a creation, there's a creator. If you've got an eye that's way more designed and intricate than this bench, there's an eye maker. 
Therefore, I conclude that there must be somebody who is very smart, very creative, very powerful, very artful because of all of the beauty that exists. So this bench proves that there is a creator. Well, as much as I hate to interrupt a chat about moral justice, got to hit the pause button. We have to take this quick break. But hey, look, I'm only looking out for you. It's time for you to hydrate. Back in three minutes. It's Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds, 54,000 babies were saved, 69 ultrasound machines were placed, 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. You know, what used to be a movie is now our sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault, but we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz, and they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2, tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny, contemporary issues through a biblical lens helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to Wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture. And all of a sudden you hear everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines? They typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing. $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash Bible. Titles of Christ. 
In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation means a wrath-removing sacrifice. Jesus bore God's wrath on our behalf, and in return, we receive His righteous standing before God the Father. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we are back here at Wretched Radio. It's a Witness Wednesday. Hope you were able to get plenty of water to keep yourself hydrated. Or maybe you got some snacks. I don't know. Took a nap. Did your taxes? <laughs> oh, you didn't have enough time to do your taxes. But we are back with more of our conversation between Todd and Jacob. Witness Wednesday. It's Wretched Radio. Let me let me ask you, Jacob. When I when I said this bench, where did it come from? I didn't say, well, over the course of billions of years, nothing became something. It kind of formed into this and it designed itself and it advanced and it improved and it somehow got here and nailed to the ground. You just go, there's a bench maker. I don't I don't know where the factory is. I don't I've never seen the factory workers. But I know we intuit it. And the same thing is true with your hand. It's like this doesn't happen by it. There's a hand maker. So I don't need to see the bench factory to know that one exists. That's a good point. I never I never thought about it like that. Um, my, I guess my next argument would be like, what about like science? And what about like the Big Bang Theory and, and the way that it explains the creation of the world and, you know, and how, how we evolved from like microbacteria into, you know, what we are today. Like, what would you say to that? That's a theory. It's not a law. You mentioned the word science. The exact definition of science, what makes something scientific, is not what we imagine happened a long time ago. That's actually called historical science. The problem is it's not science at all because nobody saw it. You can't put it into a laboratory and test it. You can't repeat it. You can't observe it. Therefore, anything that we imagine that happened in the past where we don't have some sort of a record is, well, we're imagining what might have happened, but we can't definitively claim this is how it happened. There's one other problem with the evolutionary concept. You just assume these microbes and maybe a planet. Where did that stuff come from? Um, I guess it would be like, as science explains it, you know, like the Big Bang Theory, you know, there was just an explosion and, and you know, we, the planets were created and... and, and we use the word created. Where did the matter come from? That's a, I have no idea. That's a good question. You know, but in, in to that same notion, you know, what, what you're talking about, how it's science and, and, you know, we can't like definitively like, you know, examine it and prove it and nobody was there to see it. I guess to that same notion, the same could be said about the existence of a supernatural being. You know, nobody was there to see it. We, we can't prove it. You know, we just can assume. And it's it goes the both ways, you know, for both the supernatural being and the science. You know, we have no way to, to prove anything. We can only assume. And, you know, that's that's it goes for pretty much anything in this world. You know, you can you can assume anything you want. And there's no, like, I guess, definitive way to know, OK, yes, this one's right or this one's wrong. All right. I'm, I'm going to you're a smart guy. So engage with me for a second and let's see if we can reason together on this. I'm going to use my logic machine to kind of figure out what it is reality and what am I looking at? All right. So here are some conclusions that I make. The universe is big. There's an awful lot of power in the universe. The sun, it's blazing so much power. I see beauty. I see creativity. I see intelligence because these things are staggering in their complexity. So now I'm going to ask myself the question, if this is what the creation is like, that must be what the creator is like. He must be big. He must be intelligent. He must be powerful. He must be creative. Must be. Furthermore, 
because I observe justice, this being must be just also. So now, if I've concluded that, and I think that's a reasonable conclusion, there are some books that claim to represent this deity that made the universe. So if I go into that book, I've got to see a, a being described as being big and powerful and intelligent and creative and just. Now I ask myself the question, which one of these books, if any, represents a greater power or being that is all of these things? And I would suggest it is the Bible that describes that God precisely. What you see as, you know, just and powerful and, and almighty, somebody else may not see it that way. All right, let me let me try one last thing with you, and you're going to love this. I'm going to be the prosecutor for a moment, all right? And I am going to put your conscience on trial. I'm going to try to get around your intellect for a moment, because that's what we've been talking on an intellectual level, logic and reason. I want to circumvent that, and I want to get to that courtroom in your brain. Jacob, have you ever told a lie? Absolutely. How many? Uh, too many. I can't even count. A lot. Okay. So what do you call somebody who tells a lot of lies? You would call them a liar. Have you stolen anything? Probably once or twice, yeah. And stealing one time makes you a? A thief. Have you ever uh, dishonored your parents? I'm sure I have. Absolutely. Everybody has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, when you were telling those lies, you were dishonoring <laughs> your parents. Yeah, okay. No. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Have you ever looked at a woman and lusted after her in your heart? Sure. Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Sure, absolutely. Here's what I just did, Jacob. I just opened up five of God's laws, the Ten Commandments. Did you kind of catch that in there? Yeah, I can see it, yeah. So you've just confessed to me that you have broken laws that I think in general we agree should exist. You shouldn't steal. You should honor your parents. You shouldn't abuse somebody in your brain. Based on that confession that you broke in the laws, if God does exist and if he is a just judge, what would he conclude about Jacob? Would he find you innocent or guilty? Yeah, I believe he would find me guilty. You know, I, I broke those laws and, and you know, I, I'm guilty for it. So what should God do with guilty criminals? take them to heaven, send them to hell. I think he would forgive us. Uh, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, if, you know, I, I'm, I can kind of grasp the concept of it, you know, and I, and I can see how, you know, he would, he would forgive us regardless of what we did. And, and, you know, he would send us to heaven. Now I'm going to take you into a courtroom on earth. All right. And you now have got 50 speeding tickets. You did beat up a little kid and it's somebody got it on camera. And we know that if, um, perhaps you haven't been kind to people. We've got everything about your life laid out on the judge's desk. And he knows that you're totally guilty. Now, I want you to imagine that judge said, you can go because I just forgive you. You would even conclude, even though you're the guilty criminal, that isn't just. So if a judge just dismisses people's court case, he's not just at all. And if you reverse that, let's say that I had punched you in the nose and it's on camera and I'm guilty and I stood before the judge and I said, well, I just think you should forgive me and he let me go. You would be furious at that judge, right? All right, so why would God just dismiss your case? Us as a society, like we don't see God on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, like we don't know, um, like, you know, like we don't see him, we don't have like that kind of um, interaction with him on a day-to-day -day basis. But, you know, in society, we, we see these judges, we see these people, you know, they're just ordinary people walking on the street, you know, like we have to see it like a judge, like he has to, 
you know, answer for his his um, rulings. Like he's he can't just like rule on this and then he disappears forever and nobody knows where he's at. Like that's just not how that works, you know. But in in a way, you know, God, like we we have no way of seeing him. You know, like we don't. He doesn't have to answer to anybody for for his. Um, for his you know rulings and what he believes like but a judge on earth like he does like he would you know if he let a murderer off like he probably wouldn't be a judge anymore you know he would have to answer for that whereas if god you know sent a murderer to heaven well, we have no way of knowing that so you know but but okay we we we, we can't see the afterlife but if god did just go murderer you're good to go we would go wait a second you know, but interestingly, I think the statistic is correct that about 50% of all murders go unsolved. Oh, we don't like that. And if God just let criminals go, he wouldn't be just. Now, what if somebody walked into the courtroom and said, Your Honor, I love Jacob and I have the means to pay his fine. And he satisfied justice by making a payment on your behalf. You would be good to go. Your case could be dismissed. That's what Christianity is about, that we've broken God's laws. Jesus Christ, God's son, came to earth, didn't break the laws, took the punishment we deserve for breaking God's laws so that our court case can be dismissed. That's what Christianity is all about. It's really about penal substitutionary atonement, that the punishment was paid for by another so that we could be seen as forgiven and be seen as righteous in the eyes of God and therefore he can be just in taking us to heaven because justice was satisfied by Jesus Christ. That's how God can take people to heaven because he doesn't just dismiss their cases. It's been paid for by another. Now, that's what Christianity is about. The question really then becomes, is that true? It's an interpretation. You know, we have no way of knowing if it's true or not. We can only believe, you know, what we see in the Bible and what we see in the books and, and you know, supposed accounts of you know what people saw and, and that kind of thing and then so here's here's we'll wrap up the whole shebang with this my my challenge to you is for you to at least you're, you're a thoughtful guy so i know you'll think about this but just under this perhaps today and go you know a lot of that made a lot of sense if there's a creation there's a creator if there's justice there must be a just judge if i have to stand before that judge i'm in hot water i can't make the payment myself. i can't do good deeds to make up for my bad deeds because that's not the way justice works but it does make sense that if god is just and he is merciful that he can be both of those things if he sent a substitute in the person of jesus christ maybe just let that ruminate today and if you conclude that actually makes sense in my conscience because that's what i'm after right now is your conscience i do need to have my conscience cleansed and calmed down there is a way through jesus christ and that you would consider his claims and respond to them appropriately fair enough Absolutely. And that's a wrap as we put a bow on another Witness Wednesday. And what a Witness Wednesday it's been. And with that, we wrap it up. Another episode of Witness Wednesday. We'll have more from the campus next Wednesday. And we'll have more Wretched Radio tomorrow. Until then, go serve your king.